The second wisdom factor of the Noble Eightfold Path is right thought. That we experience both as how we think about things, but also in our attitudes of mind, which reflect our beliefs and thoughts. So when we talk about right attitude in practice, we're really talking about this, this factor of the Eightfold Path, right thought. Now, in our practice, you know, the other night I spoke about the kinds of reactive thinking that we engage in in relation to pleasant and unpleasant experience. When it's pleasant, we engage in, you know, desire and attachment and delusion. And when it's unpleasant, we engage in a lot of aversion and fear and depression and sadness and other things, other forms of aversion. And these reactive states of mind are wrong thoughts, or wrong in the sense that they lead to suffering. So when we look for right thought, we're looking for how to understand this experience without aversion and delusion and attachment. And so how do we approach, even how do we approach our practice there's right views and wrong view, or right thoughts and wrong thoughts in relation to our experience, but also in relation to our practice, the way we're actually undertaking our practice. So we could say that right thought or right attitude is embedded within the observing mind. The mind that observes, it can observe with wrong attitudes, wrong thoughts, wrong beliefs, or it can observe with right, skillful right thought, skillful attitudes, skillful beliefs. So, the Buddha identified three kinds of uh, right thought. Thoughts of goodwill, thoughts of renunciation, and thoughts of harmlessness. So let me point to how we adjust or how we practice with these as attitudes in our mind. For example, goodwill is really loving-kindness. Now, some of you may ask, aren't we going to practice loving-kindness here? Aren't we going to practice metta? And I'm going to say, we're not going to offer instruction in the phrases of loving-kindness. But actually, if you practice with skillful attitudes of mind, if you practice with the right attitudes of mind, meaning the attitudes of mind that lead to the end of suffering, you will be practicing loving-kindness. Because skillful attitude is open, receptive, allowing, acknowledging, being willing, being responsive, being interested in, and any lover would like that from you. So, these are the very qualities of loving-kindness. The very qualities of metta are embedded in how we approach our practice. So that if we are practicing, we're observing the present moment with this open, allowing, receptive, attentive, caring, interested attitude of mind, then we're actually displaying what we are practicing uh, loving-kindness. We don't need to use the phrases so much. 
these attitudes of mind overcome or predispose us not to have an aversive relationship with the present moment. Loving kindness is the antidote, so to speak, of aversion. The second kind of right thought is renunciation. And these are thoughts of letting go, uh, simplifying, keeping things very, um, I was going to say basic, but really simple. You know, and I remember one of my early instructions in, in, in when I was practicing was keep it simple, keep your practice simple. Even with that, it'll get complicated soon. And so if you let it complicate, or you let complications proliferate, practice gets to be just a, a, a rabbit's horn, just a nest of, well, doubts. How to practice doubts. So what is, what is renunciation? Or how do we embody renunciation with our attitudes of mind in practice? Well, when we let go, we're not pushing away, we're simplifying, and it manifests as not making a project out of it. You know, sometimes we get this project mentality, or we got an agenda in practice. I'm going to work on my father issues this retreat. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> don't need that. Let that one go. You know, or we make a project of it. I'm going to clean up my bad karma. <laughs> don't don't try that either. You know? and, and we get these it's kind of an overview that kind of is a, a kind of oppressor, oppressor of our practice. And so we want to learn to let go of that. And the way to do that is to relax. Now I've talked about relaxing. When we relax the body, when we are asked to or reminded to relax the body, what it involves is turning your attention inside the body, scanning until you find areas of tension or holding, and then seeing if you can let that go. Not pushing it away, not judging it, not fix it, not even fixing it. It's just letting it go. So when we want to relax the mind, we do the same thing. We turn our attention to our mind, our attitude of mind, our posture of mind, if you will. And we look to see, is there any holding? Is there any agenda? Is there any project in mind? Is there any kind of goal-orientedness? Is there anything more than just genuine interest? If there is, let that go. Put that aside. It's not necessary. We don't have to explain. We don't have to figure out. We don't have to make sense of anything. We just have to observe. You know, if you... Some places I teach, the deer are close to the meditation hall. And I always use this as an image. If you wanted to understand the nature of deer... How, what would you do? You might go on online and look up in Wikipedia, deer, you know, and see and read what other people have observed or understood about the nature of deer. But if you want to know for yourself, all you can do is just watch. And if you just saw a deer and watched it, you know, followed it around, 
You don't have to scare it, but just watch how its ears move and its tail move and what it eats and what it doesn't eat, where it looks and how it gets startled and how long it stays startled and how it cares for its young. And you're just observing. You're not trying to figure out anything. You're not trying to explain it. You're not trying to justify it. And there's no project other than just observing, observing, observing. And for if you could watch a deer for a few hours, you would understand a lot about deer. The nature of deer. Well, we're doing the same thing with this body and mind. We don't have to explain it. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to make a project of it. We just need to observe it with interest. And if we observe as the mind gathers the data, it will begin to make the connections of understanding. We don't have to kind of to do that. So to, to practice with an attitude of renunciation and letting go, relax, let go of expectations, let go of anticipations, let go of indulging, let go of embellishing, let go of disappointment. Because these things, they, they all have a way of creeping into our, our expectations about practice. Oh, this is, this is good. You know, we embellish a little bit of calmness into, yeah, this is really good. We don't need to add any flavoring our experience. Just see it as it is. Just observe. So this is, again, keeping it simple, letting go, being relaxed in the body and the mind. And the third area of right attitude or skillful thought is to practice harmlessness. You know, uh, be nice to yourself. Be nice. You know, whatever you're experiencing, even if it's painful, even if it's shameful, even if it's humiliating, as experiences sometimes are, be nice. We're not, we're not sitting in judgment of what comes up in the mind, what comes up in the body. Believe me, it's going to be everything. Everything you've desired and everything you've feared and everything in between, eventually. We're going to get a chance to see everything on this journey. And so we're not sitting in judgment. So if we have a judgmental attitude, we have to kind of adjust that. You know, and this means preferring one experience over another. You know, we all want pleasant experience. Let's face it. We want to be comfortable. We want the mind to be calm. We want the mind to be clear. We don't want the body to be unpleasant and uncomfortable. We don't want the mind to be dull and we don't want to be confused. And yet, sometimes we are. Sometimes that's what's, that's what's being known. So how can we practice to understand both these desired pleasant experiences and the undesired unpleasant experiences? How can we practice so that we learn from both? Non-judgmental. Just really not having a preference. We do have a preference. Let's acknowledge it. We do have a preference. But don't let that get in your way of being with what you don't prefer in the same way that you're with what you prefer. Or maybe I shouldn't say that because what we prefer we usually take delight in and that distorts what we're seeing. So don't take delight in the pleasant things. But don't be averse to the unpleasant things. So that means to be willing to experience what's offered, and if it's unpleasant, to be willing to endure it. Not 
not just out of, not just being tolerant, but being willing. And that's a big difference, you know. Sometimes we can, you know, when experience is difficult or unpleasant, we can get into a kind of grit your teeth, endure, just kind of, mm, you know, waiting for the bell or something. And that's not, that's not the right attitude. That's not a skillful attitude. That, that just kind of stiffens the mind, stiffens the body. So if we're, if we're genuinely willing, then we're willing to endure with awareness, even unpleasant or scary or other, other unexpected, unwanted kinds of experience. So to be comfortable, be at ease, be alert. So when we say, check your attitude of mind, as we do, as we will often, check your attitude of mind in practice. If you find yourself, you know, being tense, being judgmental, being preferring this and preferring that, wanting something, making an agenda out of it, just explaining it, drop that. Because usually if we if we know what skillful attitude in mind for practice is, we can recognize the unskillful attitude instantly. You know, you find just, you, you know, if you, if you would like to know what your attitude of mind is, I have a surefire way to find out. Okay? Get your camera. Well, sorry, you have, you have given up your phones. But if you had your phones, take your phone, take a selfie, turn it into an emoji, what is it telling you? <laughs> That's your attitude of mind. Right? You know, you can see, if you're practicing like this, take an emoji, what, what's, this, what's this kind of face telling you? <laughs> now, if you're going like this, what's that, what's that kind of attitude of mind? You kind of go, what's that attitude of mind? You know, so you can, it's written on our face, so... Take a selfie, make it an emoji, what's it telling you? This is how we can recognize our attitude of mind. Right attitude, Utejaniya says, allows you to accept, acknowledge, and observe whatever is happening, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, and remain relaxed and alert. Imagine that. Whatever is happening, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, Remain relaxed and alert, interested to observe it. So right thought, intention, right attitudes, rather than discriminating, being critical, being selective, being skeptical towards experience, is one of being open, receptive, and interested. So we need to check our attitude because if we're practicing with an unskillful attitude, you know, one of striving, one of resistance, one of figuring out, whatever, we're not going to see things the way they are. We've already got a built-in bias that's going to color our understanding. And so when we look in our own mind and we look for our attitude of mind, we'll be noticing bias, beliefs, some expression of beliefs or assumptions that we have about ourselves, about practice, about this experience. And we can let them go. And then we can just see exactly what's happening in this moment with 
a clear, alert, interested mind. 